What a great Labor Day weekend. Awesome to see um, everyone here. We have several that's out uh, on trips and different things to get take the weekend away for a three-day weekend, and we're grateful for holiday weekends. How many enjoys holiday weekends, three days off instead of two? Amen, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Ernie, he's... <laughs> He's kind of like Dad. His dad says every day's a Saturday. Wouldn't that be nice? Don't wish her life away, though, correct? Amen. Enjoy work while you can work because God gives us the ability. Thankful for a job. How many is thankful for your job? Amen. Thankful for our jobs. Yeah, how many is thankful for a good boss? Hey, Ryan, you're just doing it because he's sitting back there. <laughs> Brown noser, yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. What a wonderful time in the Lord already. Just happy to be here. Love feeling the presence of the Lord. Love knowing he is near us when we need him. There's people at the bridge right now that need him. There's some at the bridge that think they can get by without him. But I really believe that he is near to the brokenhearted, as his word says. That we can come and find refuge in our time of trouble and trials and afflictions. We're starting a new series today, and the series is Unspoken. Um, and we're going to look through the topic of biblical prayer. How many is an expert in prayer? Does anybody have their master's degree in prayer? No. How many locks to pray? How many feels that sometimes your prayer seems as if they accomplish the goal and the request that you have, and then maybe the next prayer that you pray seems like it bounces off the ceiling and lands right back in your lap? I believe that the difference in those two different effects of prayer is somewhat attached to our understanding of what biblical prayer is. And the word unspoken has anybody ever heard of an unspoken prayer? You ever been in a church service where they say, we have any prayer requests, and people will stand up and give their prayer requests, and then somebody will say, I have an unspoken prayer request, and God knows the need. How many's ever heard that? Is that anywhere in the Bible? Mm-hmm. 
Nowhere in the Bible will you find the word unspoken prayer. So how many things do we do in this life that we think is correct until we hear somebody say that's not correct? All too often we find ourselves in the patterns of life following what we think is right, but is it what God said to do? So church services... And actually, just this week, I've seen you did that, Cindy, so I'm calling you out. But this series was put on the ballot last year, <laughs> about November, so don't think this is about you, because it's not. Because how many has ever given an unspoken prayer request, that you've said that word and asked somebody to pray, and it's an unspoken prayer request? We're all guilty of that, I believe. So I started studying and looking through some... Uh, topics on that topic of unspoken prayer requests, and most um, church leaders and theologians believe that that term was initiated somewhere in the last century, in the 20th century, somewhere around the mid-century, so somewhere between the 50s and the 60s, that that's when that term began to become a saying in the church. Nobody could really point down the one specific person that was initially started and said, I have an unspoken prayer request, but it is thought to be somewhere less than 100 years old that that is something that we do. But the Bible's a lot older than that. So if I want to base my thoughts or what I believe around something, I want it to be older than 100 years old. So let's look through the Bible, and we're going to look through some things about prayer and topics about prayer and different verses about prayer. And the Bible's full of verses about prayer. You can find a lot in Scripture on this topic. But the word unspoken means implied or understood without being spoken or uttered, not addressed. It means not talking or being silent. According to many Christian leaders in American Christianity, there I listened to a podcast, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, and it was a guy that's been studying churches and statistics and culture and strategies and all different types of things, and he comes out with these different um, statistics that we can look at to see and know where we're coming from. They said this in that podcast that we are now in America in a post-Christian culture. And he says that we're on a track or on a trend that we're post-Christian culture means a lot of us believe that our founding fathers were based around Christianity and they set up this form of governance that we have in America as a Christian government. And post-Christian means that we are now in our society that we're living in, that we're existing in here 
We're past that. And we've talked about some of those statistics before that most of those say that in the church world as a whole in America today that only 17% of people believe that God's word is the final authority. And it contains all truth and is an errant. That means that scripture, if I read my Bible, that I understand it, that this is God speaking to me. And only 17% accept Jesus to be Lord of their life, of our society. So I think this person is on the right thought process myself, because if you're in 17%, how many believes that's the minority? <laughs> you're only 17% of something, you're a minority in that whatever club, whatever that is. So if Christians only make up 17% of our society, then we are in a post-Christian culture. And we see this all the time that whether it's on social media or whatever avenue, maybe it's at your workplace, that people have prayer requests and a lot of people say, I'll be praying for you. Are all prayers effectual? Does everyone's prayer count? This is a touchy subject because the second I would say that no certain person, type of person, such and such, their prayers don't count, it would be offensive. Because we want to believe that everybody matters. But is that biblical? And what does the Bible say about it? So there's a verse in the Bible that says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. So if you want your prayers to matter, or you want your prayers to count, the effectual, how many would like your prayers to have an effect on things? Effectual fervent prayer, intense, fervent, intense prayer, of the righteous avail much. What does it mean to be righteous? In right standing with God. So we need to be in right standing with God for our prayers to become effectual. Some people say that God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners. I've heard that said before. But if that's true, how could they get saved? So we need to be cautious in our understanding of what we believe versus what the Bible says. I want to base my thoughts and my opinions and my values on what does the Bible say about this subject. If we want our prayers to matter, let's return to Scripture. Let's look to it. Let's look for answers in it for how we conduct our lives and how we exist and how we dwell and how we have our being and let's watch and see if God doesn't begin to do the things he promised he would do. I love that second song that they sang, You're My Champion. Is God your hero? He needs to be. So many offer prayers for those prayer requests that come, 
And I don't want to tell people not to pray. But I'm telling us here today that if we want our prayers to count, let's become righteous in right standing with God. To obtain the things we desire, that our prayers would be effectual. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are our prayers in alignment with what God's word says about the topic of prayer? Or are we following our culture's pattern of prayer? In this series, I, wanna, I want to and I hope to bring clarity to our understanding of the subject of biblical prayer over these next couple of weeks. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 6. This is Matthew, the tax collector's written documentation of a sermon that Jesus gave. This is a portion of that sermon. Matthew chapter 6. It says, but when you pray, everybody say when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. We should be praying. We need to be praying. In a post-Christian culture, I think the church should be praying more now than it ever has. If you want to look and see what does a post-Christian culture become over the next several years, just look at Europe. There are churches old historical churches, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, that the building is still there, but the people are not in it. It's a scary thought and a scary place to be, but prayer changes things. What did Jesus tell them that he wanted his house to be called? A house of prayer. So Christians, it's time to awaken out of our slumber and begin to pray. In a season of prayer with intentionality and with our righteousness over us, which is God covering us, that my sins are covered by his blood. It brings me in right standing with him. And then the prayers that I have will have an effect on the situations that I'm praying about. When you pray. Jesus was telling these disciples of his in this sermon on the hillside, when you pray. Look at your neighbor and say, it isn't if you pray, it's when you pray. Sometimes we forget to pray. Paul, the apostle, he said, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. I've heard some people say that their best prayer life is when they're on their riding lawnmower. It's their one time of solitude that they get away from it all. And it's a good place to pray. I've heard other people say that they pray on their drive to and from work because it's their place of solitude, that they turn on some Christian music and they listen intently and they begin to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees 
What is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, everybody say when you're praying. Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that when they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you, what you need before you ask Him. The Sermon on the Mount contains a lot of different topics and a lot of different things. Most say that it's one of the most famous sermons ever given. The only one that would come close second to it is Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. During the day of Pentecost and the things was happening and cloven tongues of fire was resting upon people and they were speaking in tongues and uttering things and people didn't understand what was going on and the Medes and the Persians and all these other groups were there and they heard them speaking in their own language and they were amazed by it. And they, What is this? This is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and my sons and daughters will prophesy. I will pour out my spirit upon your handmaidens. He talked about generational, that the spirit of God would hover over us, that we all would, it would contain the spirit of God that we would know and sense in the last days that he's pouring out his spirit. How many is looking forward to that? If Peter thought that was happening in Acts 2, 2,000 years ago, how much more should we expect today that the Spirit of God is hovering over us, looking to enter into our souls and change us from the inside out? But Jesus hanging out with this ragtag bunch and sitting on a hillside knoll with them and, and speaking a sermon to them, and he talks about blessed in Matthew chapter 5. And he tells them about how they're wrong in a lot of different things if you look at the last verses in Matthew chapter 5. But then when we get in Matthew chapter 6, we see these verses pop out at us that he's teaching them to pray. Later on, the same disciples would come back to him and say, teach us to pray. They were jealous because Jesus' prayers changed things and theirs did not. If you want to envy and long for anything, envy and long for your prayers to be effectual, to cause an effect that situations would change because I pray. The song that Leslie sang said, I have authority. Jesus told his disciples, I have given you authority. And whatsoever things that you loose, on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's effectual prayer. That's power that the Christian in righteousness possess. But how do we use that and not let our humanity come into it and us get our opinion in the way and us get our, our thoughts in the way the word our prayers are accompanied by what I want. Fooey with unspoken prayer. Amen. 
fool you with that. If it ain't in the Bible, it's not for me. So if it's not unspoken prayer, what kind of prayer is it? Spoken prayer. The power of life and death is in the tongue. When will we as believers begin to know and understand that the things that I say are recorded in heaven and they matter? You will give account for every idle word that you let roll off of your tongue. But Jesus is so intentful in this sermon that he's talking about when you pray. And he was talking to Jewish people. And have you ever saw the wailing wall in Jerusalem? It's still there. Jewish people still today in their religion, and Jesus was a Jew. His disciples were all Jews. They would go to the wailing wall, and they stand there and pray, and they begin to rock, and they'll put in their little prayer request, and they'll stick it in the cracks and the crevices of this rock wall. And it's a very holy place to them. If you even say anything against it, you will be unholy because you're speaking about a, a holy thing. But the beautiful part about this is that once Jesus died on the cross and the Holy Spirit was released on earth, that veil was rent in that temple that day when he was on that cross. There was an earthquake happened. Why did that veil, why was it rent? Because the Holy Spirit was always contained behind that, the presence of God. That the high priest would only go in once a year and give atonement for the sins of all the nation of Israel. It was such a holy place that it was in high regard to all the Jewish people. But when they hung the Son of God upon a cross and they speared him in the side and they stuck a crown of thorns on his head and they nailed him to a tree and that blood run down and when he offered his last breath, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How many believe Jesus' prayer request was answered? God's forgiveness runs rampant. Why? Because Jesus prayed for us as unbelievers because we didn't even know what we was doing against him. Amen. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He can deal with our ignorance. He can deal with our lack of understanding. And His blood covers us to make us righteous today. So if you're sitting here as a Christian today and you profess that you believe in Jesus being the Son of God and that His blood covered your sins as a person, that I am a believer in Him and I've given Him my life, that's what makes you righteous. The Old Testament prophet said, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Everything I work for is filthy rags. All of the right standing I try to get with God with doing works of righteousness, in my opinion of what's right and what's wrong, has nothing to do with your right standing with God. Jesus' blood is the only thing that will cleanse you from your sin. If you want to be in right standing with Him, give Him your life today. Offer Him all of you and say, Here I am, O God. 
a sinner in need of a Savior, and He will come and wash you clean. He will put a righteous robe upon you, and you will be clothed in white linen. And in that righteousness, the beginning of your Christianity, and you begin to pray those prayers, it's really hard. I witnessed a few years ago an individual got saved in our church. And they came to me and they said, Pastor, how do you pray? Anybody remember that when you got saved maybe a long, long time ago? How do you pray? I remember when I got saved, I'd grew, I grew up in my church my whole life. Mom and Dad took us to church every Sunday evening. I heard a lot of sermons by a lot of different people. Mom took us to Bible school. She'd put us on bus to Bible school to get rid of us. Amen. I always heard about the Word of God. I knew a lot of Christians. I went to revivals with Mama and Papa Tackett, and I remember Slate Holler and going and watching them in the midst of a revival, and God's Spirit was being poured out upon that church. And I watched the church house be full. And I watched people praying. And I saw prayers answered. And I, brought, I saw prayers work. I listened to everybody else pray. But me, myself, when I made the decision I was going to give him my life, and I went to that altar in Raceland, Kentucky, I walked up to Pastor Wells and I said, I need saved. And he said, well, right here's some teenagers. Go over there and they'll pray with you. It's like, okay. So I go up there and we kneel down at an altar and they're praying with me and they lay their hands on my back. And this was after the service was over. I messed up their plans because they was trying to decide what pizza they wanted. But they gave up on their pizza for a minute to go and help me pray. Stephen and Chris and others and the kids there were on fire. And the youth group was really, really strong. And those kids had passion and they had purpose and they were intentful. Here I am, probably six years older than them or something at that time and snot flying and I couldn't even get out one word. I didn't even know the first word to say. And they was praying for me. And I remember that one little boy named Stephen, a teenager, didn't even have his driver's license yet. He had his arm around my back and he reached over and he said, just talk to him. I said, I don't know what to say. I was so embarrassed that I had grew up my whole life in church and I didn't know how to pray. He said, just talk to him. He'll hear you. I promise you, he'll hear you. So today in this place, I want you to know, when you pray, don't worry about what to say. Just talk to him.
He just wants to hear from you. There's nothing more that our Heavenly Father desires than to have communion with human beings. And if there's anything that he wants us to do as Christians today in a post-Christian culture, he's coming back. He's coming back. And he's coming back for a church that's without spot and without a wrinkle. And the only way we're ever going to get that way is for us to know how to pray. When you pray, don't pray like the Gentiles. For they use vain repetition and in much words they think that they prove how spiritual they are by how much they pray. So those of us in the room that's baby been saved a long time, return to your first love. And pray like you used to pray when you just talked to him. That it's not just vain repetitions where I say, Heavenly Father, thou art holy amongst all. He just wants to be with us. He desires to be in relationship with us. He wants us to keep it simple. He wants to be our champion. Let's see if you'll play that song. We as a church here at the bridge are so blessed. How many just feels blessed to, to even get a feel of God's presence? I don't want to count it as anything but special because it's very special. And I ain't saying that we're perfect. I'm just saying that we're blessed that his presence shows up in our services. And he changes things. He changes lives in this place. Like today, we can look around and say, well, there's not a whole lot of people here today. But I was looking back through our numbers that we keep track every week of how many people attend our services. And it is about the numbers. It isn't about that, but... Some people say, well, why are you worried about the numbers? Because God named one of his books in his Bible numbers. If he cared about them, shouldn't I? Because you know what I know as a pastor? Every person matters. And as I looking back through and back in 2019, just a few short years ago, we was averaging about 30 some weeks I, I looked through one of them I think one week we was down to 18 people at a weekend service that wasn't that long ago was it Elizabeth and Elizabeth and Ryan and Dusty and Albie and Leslie and I we took about a year and 
created a plan to try to figure out how we was going to be more effective and we prayed about it a lot and I really believe that the reason we're where we're at today is because we prayed and asked God help us to reach more people and people matter your neighbors matter your brothers and your sisters they matter your nieces and your nephews they matter your grandkids they matter they matter to God, then they matter to me. And when we hear words like we're in a post-Christian culture, there's only one thing to do, and that is pray. Jesus was really good at building teamwork, and he was structuring his disciples to watch out for each other. I want to follow his leading. Oftentimes you'll see in scripture where Jesus would send out his disciples to go out in the highways and byways and compel people to come back into ministry and come back to God. They were out there practicing life, but it was all unspoken. They weren't speaking what God told them to speak. Jesus come to set things right. And our mission statement here at the church is this, is to become Christ-like. How many would like to be Christ-like? I want to be like Jesus. That means to be Christian. I'm going to become Christ-like by learning together and serving others. Our values are worship, grow, connect, go and serve sitting here today and you're sitting here thinking during this message that pastor I want to know how to pray biblically and the most simplest way I know to put it is just like that young man Stephen wrapped his arm around me I was a lost ball in high weeds but God saw fit to call me. And His Holy Spirit was wooing me to come to salvation. Even though I didn't know how to pray, that young teenage boy said, just talk to Him. I think that was wise advice. Out of the mouths of babes, I've perfected praise. So one thing I want to challenge us with during this sermon series as a church known as The Bridge is that we would become more connected to each other. 
you have to understand that Jesus wants us in groups. He wants us in pods. He wants us in relationships with each other. And my number one goal for this series is this, is that we as a church would become more of a church that prays with each other more than we pray for each other. favorite verses in Matthew chapter 18 and it says where any two or three agree as touching anything it shall be done so if you want to know how to pray biblically you need to get together with another person or maybe two more people and say pray with me. it isn't about being ashamed or saying my unspoken prayer request is this but and the reason we say unspoken prayer request, in my opinion, and what I've studied about it, is because we're embarrassed to say what we're dealing with in front of everybody. And I think that's wise. Amen? Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before the swine. They'll trample it under their foot. And then they'll turn around and they'll devour you. But if you're in a safe group of two or three people and you reach out to them and you pray with them, we're not just praying for them. Because if in two or three agree is touching anything, it shall be done. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? conquered it all every need that you have in this place today he knew them before you ever even thought of them is what Jesus said but I think we need to pray if you don't know him right now is the time and there isn't a special prayer that you have to pray and just talk to him. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't, I, I'm not righteous. I'm not in right standing with God. I know that. But in this moment, and I feel him and I sense the Spirit moving on me. And I know I need to come to him. But I don't know what to say. It's pretty simple. Just talk to him. 
forgive me for my sins. I believe in your son, Jesus. Make me righteous. There's many of you in this room today, you have a request or two that you would have. And biblical prayer, according to Philippians, is with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. So I want you to just sit right there in this moment, and I want you to pray out loud for whatever it is, not unspoken, out loud. So if you have a need, I want you to just pray right now for whatever that need is. And God, I'm not praying for people in this room. I'm praying with them. And God, as they open up their mouth and they call out the thing that they desire of you, God, the things that they need fixed, for the hurt that they need healed, for those things that are affecting their bodies, God, that they know that they have to have a touch from the Master. God, you are our healer. God, I pray with them right now, and I agree with them right now, as any two or three agree touching anything, God. Nothing is impossible with you. God, there's people in this room right now that have things happening, God, that they need you to move mountains, God. You said if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can say to the mountain, be cast into the sea, and it shall be cast in the sea. God, I pray right now with the people of the bridge, for those that are watching, or those that are listening this week, God, I agree with them right now for the situations that they're facing. God, turn it around. Be our champion, oh God. You never fail. You never give on up on us, oh God. Let us run and not grow weary. Give us faith like we've never had. Give us trust like we've never had. God, let us get together in groups of two or three this week that would pray for each other and with each other. And God, that we would be there and we would be bound together. God, that we wouldn't be easily broken. God, that we would see our prayers become effectual. Lord, that we would be fervent about them, that we would be intentional about our prayers. And God, we would cause them to be in alignment with your word. Let us talk to you like never before. Let us be in relationship with you like never before. Cleanse us, oh God, from the inside out. Let us leave our selfish ways behind and turn into you. God, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. God, make plain upon the tablets of our heart your vision for our life. You need to cry out and spare loud. You need to cry out. Whatever that need is, as Leslie sings a little bit louder, maybe just, just call it out right now. If you're asking for your niece or your nephew, your son or your daughter or your dad or your husband or your wife, whoever it is, just call out their name right now and say, God, I need you to come and be the salvation in their life. over 
and grab your neighbor by the hand and just just let them know that you're agreeing with them in that situation that they're praying with right now that they're praying about. Lord, we touch these situations. We call those things that be not as though they were. God, we have a God-like faith in this place, and we shall see things come to pass, God, that the desires of our heart are in alignment with your word. And God, we call those things into existence even now, God. Help us to be like you, Jesus. Crown me right now that your prayers are being answered in this moment and you're going to walk out of this place today with faith believing things are changing amen amen we thank you for being here today we love God love people be a blessing to somebody this week go and pray with somebody whatever you do pray with somebody this week you are dismissed from Labor Day